Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1,889. Be prepared to be inspired. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. Today, I'm in beautiful Mooresville, North Carolina, with a very special guest by the name of John Hotchkiss. John, welcome to Cars Yeah. Do you have it in gear, and are you ready to release the clutch? Mark, I am totally in gear and can't wait to uh, delve into this. And hey, thanks for having me on Cars Yeah. Really appreciate it. Well, you're welcome. Fun. Kind of funny to be asking you that question. A guy who's been in many race cars, many tracks, you know how to release a clutch and go. Uh, but before we dive into that and what you're doing th- today with this great business of yours, what's one little thing that maybe most people don't know about you, John? That's a great question. And uh, one thing people don't know about me is that uh, I had a tremendous bout with cancer in 2009 and oh, 2010. No. Oh, and uh, I survived synovial sarcoma in my foot. Oh, my gosh. And, uh, but in order to do that, I became an amputee. So uh, my throttle foot is actually uh, prosthetic. And, and uh, I, um, I had to learn to walk again. Oh, my and, gosh. And uh, surf and, and paddleboard and do all the things that I love, but uh, ride bikes. And, but um, young kids at the time and, and uh, I did everything I could to survive and, and that was part of it. And uh, so that's something that few know because I try to make sure I walk just like everybody else. Well, you know, it's an amazing story and uh, thank goodness you're still with us. You're a cancer survivor. My mother's a believe now, I want to age her, she might get mad at me, but 40 plus year cancer survivor uh, from a long time ago. And wow, to go through that at a young age and then have it afflict part of what your career was, your throttle foot uh, is incredible. Share with me, and you know, one of the questions I ask people is a great challenge. Obviously, that was a, a huge challenge, but what's the biggest lesson that unfortunate situation taught you? Well, it really taught me to any time. Well, uh, I can back up a slight bit and just say anybody that is, that's had uh, cancer been uh, told the news that they have cancer. I mean, it's just absolutely devastating. And uh, just just that word itself. Right. But then, you know, you kind of pull yourself up and say, OK, you know, what are my options and how do we go forward? And, and it really was a point in my life where I said, look, I've even though things will change a lot, you know, I have plenty more to do. I mean, I love the automotive industry, love my family, my friends, uh, everything. Driving has always been my passion. And, and as you know, as a, as a guy who really knows cars and, and so on, I love shifting. And I, and I learned to drive um, stick shift with my father, and we'll talk more about him later. But anyway, he was so, he, he was a, a finance guy, but a a racer also and we talk we talk so much about downshifting and healing and towing and matching the revs and everything else so my my right foot was really important to me and uh, uh, I remember getting back into um, I had a BMW at the time and uh, trying to drive a, a manual stick shift and and um, my doctor said well you know 
you won't do that anymore. And I once that happened, I said, yes, I certainly yeah, will. wrong. <laughs> but having no, having not now no feeling in my right foot, right. you know, where's the brake? Where's the throttle? It took a little while and it was, I was actually, it was actually scary to drive just on streets because I could push the throttle, but I, I didn't know how to use the brake, the clutch, and come to a stop and, and, uh, and also do the clutch on a, on a hill and so on. But as racers and, and car guys and, and people who adapt, I figured it out. And yeah. uh, so now, I, although I can't heel and toe anymore, but I can right and left foot brake and I can use the clutch and, and I can pretty much drive anything with a stick shift and, cool. and do, do it confidently. The adaptability of humans is absolutely incredible, and we, we see that when you think about athletes who have uh, amputated limbs, uh, even other normal, regular people who have that happen to them through some kind of thing, whether they're veterans or cancer or whatever it might be, and they go out and do amazing things. Uh, it's just you have to want to. And it sounds like to me that's exactly what you did. So I appreciate you sharing a really personal side of your life with us and giving our listeners some inspiration. Uh, heaven forbid anybody listening is going through that, but boy, a lot of people have to, and uh, there is a lot of hope and a lot of life on the other side. So uh, thank you for sharing that. Let me give you a proper introduction. We're going to dive into this incredible career and business that you have. John Hotchkiss is the president and CEO of Hotchkiss Sport Suspension, a performance aftermarket product company he founded in the early 90s. John and his team designed and built high-quality performance suspension products engineered to perform and designed to be strong. Sounds like John. Their total vehicle suspension, they call TVS packages, are developed and tuned to eliminate poor ride quality and disappointing handling that often results from mismatched components from multiple manufacturers. John has competed in numerous classes of motorsports, including the 24-hour Le Mans. We just came off of that last weekend. Congratulations to the Toyota folks. They just keep keep on coming. Five Daytona 24-hour races, three Sebring 12-hour events. He's driven Porsche 962s, Porsche RSRs, Spice Group C prototypes, and competed in IMSA GTO and SCCA trans am races and the british formula 3 series we'll be back in just a minute to learn more about john and his business but first a word from our valued sponsors so keep the seatbelts on we're moving fast with john here at cars yeah hang tight summer is here and that means long hot days oh boy covercraft's uvs custom sunscreens are quality made and are incredibly fast and easy to use. Your UVS sunscreen is custom tailored for your vehicle and their accordion design ensures easy storage. Not only do they protect your dash and interior for maximum protection while parking in the sun, sunscreens keep your vehicle's interior significantly cooler. They are durable, they're dependable for years of use. I have one for all my vehicles. Every time I park my car, my Covercraft sunscreen goes up in the window. You can choose from a variety of colors, including the original, Premier Series, and Carhartt designs. Your sunscreen is manufactured with the quality and attention to detail that's been the standard for Covercraft since 1965. And they make a really great gift as well. Get your summer deal today. Use the code YEAH21, Y-E-A-H-21, at Covercraft.com, and you'll get 10% off your Covercraft order. That's right, 10% off. Use the code YEAH21 at checkout. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you. When it was time to renew my collector car policy, my carrier raised my rates by a lot. 
But why? My usage was the same, my car's value was the same, and I had never made a claim. I didn't even have a ticket. The only change was their rate, and they had no reason why. What's with that? I researched my options, I spoke to others, and with American Collectors Insurance is where I now have my policy. What a difference. A live person actually answers the phone. She spent time learning about me and my Porsche Turbo, the one I call my orange crush, and provided a reasonable quote. American Collectors Insurance now protects my special ride. I'm saving hundreds of dollars and I can sleep at night knowing my baby is properly insured. Why wait until your next premium is due? Give them a call today for your personal agreed value quote. Call 866-AC1-YEAH. That's 866-224-9324. Tell them you're a friend of mine. Mark Green at Cars Yeah. American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. Automotive enthusiasts just like you and me. That's American Collectors Insurance. All right, John, let's uh, dive a little deeper in the corner, something no doubt you've done many, many times. I want to go back in time, though, before we jump into Hotchkiss Sports Suspensions, because you graduated from the Art Center College of Design, and you went off and started racing, and now you kind of come back around and taking that education if you will and you're designing sports suspension so you kind of did things in a very different way here but kind of walk us through your career path and then we'll dive into what you're doing today mark i was always into cars and and uh, whatever well, well i could say my parents they looked at me and said what in the world what did how did we create this <laughs> where did this come from <laughs> exactly because uh, my father again he was always in in finance and in, in mutual funds and and uh he worked in downtown los angeles and and the last thing he ever wanted to do was have a company that had inventory as he would tell me all the time when he visited me later on after I started my company, my mom was was a English major and and uh, loved art and so on. But they weren't car or mechanical people. And somehow I just loved cars, loved engines, modified everything I ever could. Of course, took everything apart. Sometimes not being able to put it back together. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but. Uh, Oh my gosh! It it had so much fun uh, um, as a child with uh, bicycles and and whatever else. And then I, uh, my father had really had a chance to go to Riverside Raceway with some friends who had a BMW 2002 race car and also a '69 Corvette. And he he watched them drive, and I'll never forget what he said. He said they got out of the car and. It was like they were on cloud nine. He never could imagine somebody would have so much adrenaline rush and be having such a good time. And then he said, well, I'd like to try that. So anyway, he rented a car from a guy named Dick Gullstrand, who actually I had. That's how I started in the performance aftermarket is working for Dick Gullstrand. He, uh, he rented a Corvair from Dick Gullstrand and, and went around Big Willow Springs. And I think this is probably on the first lap, got to turn two and which is actually fairly fast. Luckily, he was uh, just coming out of the pits. Anyway, tire fell off. He went upside down slowly. Uh-oh. And uh, he uh, once he released the belts, he, of course, hit his head on the roof of the car, being upside down. And he, and, he, and then he kind of dramatized it by saying, you know, the, I could I could smell the fuel. And, and <laughs> you know, I was just about to blow up. Well, he arrived home after all that and was absolutely addicted. He just said, I need to do this racing thing. And uh, 
that started, uh, I mean, a couple of decades of the most incredible races and experiences in my mind. So I had a huge foundation even before um, I, I arrived at Art Center. Well, Dick Goldstrand, kind of what you known as Mr. Corvette, right? He was Mr. Corvette, and, and I'll tell you, he really he rescued me because uh, no race car drivers, you're you're always looking for the next deal and the next sponsor. And I, I uh, competed in two years of British Formula Three, which was absolutely fantastic. Ah, uh, the uh, Johnny Herbert, Martin Donnelly, uh, Bertrand Gasho, uh, Roland Ratzenberger. Scott Stringfellow, his father had Stringfellows and the Hippodrome. I mean, I was surrounded by the most amazing drivers at the time, Perry McCarthy, and it just goes on and on. After two years of that and, and living in England and establishing great friendships and racing in Spa and Zandvoort and, and uh, uh, all the British tracks, I think it covered about 25,000 miles just going to circuits in 1988, just on the road. But anyway, I arrived back into the U.S. and I said, okay, I'm, you know, I'm next. Uh, it's Formula Atlantic or, or Indy Lights and whatever else I could do. And I just couldn't get enough money together. And I remember my father telling me that Corvair story. So I called Dick Gullstrand up just as kind of the cold call. And because and, uh, he being in Thunder Alley and the father of the Corvette and, and so on, and sat down with him and told him what I was doing and that I'd been to Art Center and and then he uh, he said, well, why don't you do some test driving for us and we'll see if you can find a place here. Mm-hmm. And, and I worked my way into the, as the director of marketing and designed a catalog and page- packaging. And we went to the first SEMA show together in 1989. Oh, and, my gosh. Wow. And uh, he he was an incredible mentor to me. And, and uh, he most company owners wouldn't just say, well, here's my – Rolodex. I guess I'm aging myself, but <laughs> oh yeah, you know, I had here, one of those. <laughs> <laughs> here's my Rolodex, and and you have everybody, and but uh, oh god, Herb Fischel from GM, and and wow. on and on and on, and and uh, he said, uh, go for it. Let's see, uh, you know, how you can help and really market what I'm doing. And uh, it, it was an absolute. I did that for two years, and it was just absolutely amazing time. It's incredible. You mentioned Perry McCarthy, of course, the original Stig. He's a Cars yeah alumni of yours now. Uh, he was a guest on the show. What a character he is. But it sounds like, I mean, he offered you a neat opportunity to take your creative side and tie it into racing, which then ended up putting you in the seat of some absolutely incredible cars. I mean, my goodness, when I think about the cars that you drive, and we're going to touch on those a little bit later, but the 962s, the RSRs, uh, Spice Group Cs, which I saw I saw run when I was living in Del Mar around the race, uh, or the fairgrounds there, actually, which was pretty cool. That's how I got my wife interested in racing, took her to a real race instead of a TV race, and she went, this is fun. <laughs> those are cool. I like that. But let's fast forward into... Past the racing time when you said, okay, I'm going to stop racing and I'm going to do something kind of fun and something fun starting your uh, Hotchkiss Sports Suspension Company. Now you're kind of bringing it all back around, going back to those early days of your Bachelor of Science degree and transportation design. And um, you're a very hands-on guy when it comes to your business and designing, testing, engineering, and marketing. So what drove you into, excuse the pun, Hotchkiss Sports Suspensions? Well, it was really working at, at Goldstrand Engineering because I had always modified cars and trucks when I was younger, but I had no idea that 
that see the SEMA show existed and uh, that um, people loved uh, to this extent modifying their cars. Mm-hmm. And uh, so at, at Gulfstream Engineering, I worked in sales and, and customer service and, and R&D. And it was like your MBA, wasn't it? It really was. Yeah. It really was. So I could could use my design skills from Art Center and uh, do ads and marketing and everything else. And then I would get on the phone with these customers, and whether it was a Corvette or Camaro, uh, El Camino, whatever it was, they were so excited. And and then you know, the fax machine was a big deal back then, and yeah. and we we'd fax some part pages of the catalog because we'd have to mail them a catalog. Mm-hmm. But they'd be so excited, Mark. They'd say. I can't wait for that. Can yeah. you just can you just fax me that page so I can see what uh, what I'm buying and what I can do? And and the people loved it. They just love talking about their cars. And I always told Dick Ulstrand that uh, he needed just a bunch of car psychiatrists in a room, <laughs> and he could probably charge for that. Yeah, because they would talk about paint. They would talk about rear ends, and, and they would talk about how they bought their car. And to this day. My sales group is on the phone constantly with people that just love talking about what their projects and what they're going to do and oh, yeah. and and what they've done and 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 really that that really got me into this industry because it's not like calling the doctor or the dentist or having to go and do something that you know is necessary but you don't really want to. Right. Yeah. So this is an absolute want industry that that is just supercharged with great people and and uh and dick had a small catalog a small parts department uh I, I built that up and really learned from the ground floor about putting products together and packaging and sourcing and and sending sending them to people so that really was my mba and from that i i jumped into my own company you mentioned going to the doctor i have many friends who will call me and when i answer the first thing they say is is the doctor in which is code for uh-oh what are you planning on doing to your car or buying right now and uh they always say talk me out of this and most of the time i don't of course i'm a terrible doctor i just you know encourage the habit <laughs> just put the needle in deeper but this is a really cool story because it ties you into what you're doing now and you're website is fantastic. I mean, you guys design and develop and engineer and craft uh, suspension systems for classic muscle cars, modern muscle cars, trucks, SUVs, sports compacts, European. I mean, you kind of cover the gamut. We really do. We look at whatever is fun to drive and, and we uh, we follow our customer's lead. And if they have something that they would, they would want to handle better and have be much more fun to drive, then we'll, we'll do that. I'll give you a quick example. So, you you wouldn't know that a 1965 and 66 Galaxy 500 would be something that people would modify and want great handling. But uh, this is probably God, more than 10 years ago. Jay Leno, who is a, a, a friend because he's such a great car guy, he asked me if we would uh, develop suspension for his 65 Galaxy. And uh, this was a car that he's a uh, seven liter, Roush built him a seven liter just a beautiful uh, fuel injected engine with with a six Tremec six speed, and he really wanted a, a t- today's Galaxy because it reminded him of the car he purchased with his father so many years ago, where mm. he checked all the boxes and right. and, and or un- didn't check the boxes, so it was too loud for his dad, who was a salesman, and and but Jay loved it, 
But uh, he, he um, not long, I think a lot long after they had it, he crashed it and totaled it. So <laughs> long story short, he wanted a car that reminded him of his father, of his childhood, but uh, something he could drive. So we did the suspension on it. He loves driving. It handles more like a BMW M3 than a, uh, than a giant uh, uh, US yeah, monster car. Yeah. <laughs> than a car full of chrome and gigantic body panels. That transpired into a ton of uh, Galaxy owners modifying their cars. And we've sold so many more Galaxy kits than I could ever imagine because of that. And so uh, our market is not just Camaro and and Mustang and so on, but it's a really a broad base of, of cars that people just want to handle better and they want to have much more fun and a great driving experience. You know, I think what's really cool about what you're doing is what you guys call the TVS, Total Vehicle Suspension, because lots of times when us car guys get our new cars, we start with wheels, we maybe do stereo systems. I go back dating myself now. But then we go, oh, I want to lower the ride height or I want to put stiffer bars in the car or something. And all these different components that weren't really designed to work together can sometimes result in kind of messing things up. And I always say you go back to, I like German cars, of course, Porsches, uh, BMWs. Well, those engineers are pretty smart, but they're trying to design something for everyone. And typically people don't like stiff suspensions or lowered ride heights, but you guys have a complete package, which I think is really important. Well, that really, that just uh, manifested itself from my racing days, because Mm, if you, if you stick a microphone in front of a driver at the end of the race and say, uh, either why did you win or why didn't you win? Generally, it's my car handled better. It's not that they had more horsepower because, of course, we always want more horsepower, but horsepower is plentiful. But handling and and making sure a car handles well and is safe and, and is really fun to drive is important. And it only happens if the shocks work with the springs, work with the chassis components work with everything. So it all talk the same language, the front and the back of the car, mm-hmm. talk to each other. And, and then from the driver's seat, from the steering wheel, you have great input so that you know what your car is going to do. And it can be fun, whatever type of driving you do. Absolutely. I think it's super fantastic. We're going to take a short break. Thank our sponsors. We come back. I want to talk about a challenge that you faced. Could be in your racing career. Could be in your business. We all face challenges, especially if you're on the track. So keep that in mind and we'll be right back. What began as a charitable car show has grown into the world's greatest collector car auctions, raising over $133 million for charitable organizations to date. For nearly 50 years, automotive enthusiasts from all over the world have enjoyed the Barrett-Jackson Collector Car Auctions, and I'm a huge fan. Regarded as the barometer of the collector car industry, their auctions are world-class lifestyle events where thousands of the world's most sought-after unique and valuable automobiles cross the block in front of a global audience, in person, on TV, or streamed online. Barrett-Jackson produces the world's greatest collector car auctions in Scottsdale, Arizona, Palm Beach, Florida, Las Vegas, Nevada, and new for 2021, Houston, Texas. The excitement of Barrett-Jackson auctions is contagious, and a unique experience is not to be missed. Barrett-Jackson, the world's greatest collector car auctions. Here at Cars Yeah, it's all about inspiration, and our charity of choice is TechForce Foundation, where it's all about making a positive difference in young people's lives. 
Tech Force helps young adults discover their talents and passions for all things automotive with a mission of helping students develop a career as a professional technician. Tech Force awards nearly $2 million in scholarships every year for students to pursue technical education and they support hands-on activities, events, and mentorships across the country, working to change the outdated perceptions of these careers. Autotechs are in high demand, but the supply of qualified technicians is critically short. They need your help to fuel their mission. Learn more and join me in supporting them at techforce.org. All right, we're back. So let's talk about a big obstacle, big challenge, big failure. I mean, kind of being a guy from the track, that's kind of part of life, right? But also business can be that way too. So wherever, and you talked about surviving cancer and dealing with that and having to learn how to redrive, use your feet again. Uh, boy, you've been faced with a few challenges in life. Is there one in particular you might want to share that provides a great inspiration for listeners that might be facing the same thing, that there is great a light at the end of the tunnel and it's not a train coming at you? Well, I, I would say that the the biggest challenge by far was the cancer and surviving yeah. cancer and and uh, getting the news that uh, you pr- I probably wouldn't survive. Oh wow! And in order to survive, I had to do this very drastic treatment of a year of in hospital chemo and uh, amputation and 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 all the kind of complications that go with that. So that was that was the very biggest and and the largest uh, challenge for sure, but the, the being able to do what I enjoyed because that you know in life the it's so much fun to have a great experience and when all of a sudden you can't walk bicycle drive you know really it's a, you know the, they're they're really pulling the rug out from you no kidding of, of rug of life. And in the drive, because we're talking about cars, the driving aspect, being able to drive again was hugely important to me. And being able to drive without uh, assisted um, hand controls and so on, which a lot of the doctors and everything said, that's what you'll need. But if I'd had more issues, I, I would have had that because I'll do whatever it takes to drive. But getting on the racetrack, I remember driving a com- supercharged Camaro we had. Uh, it was a 2011 Camaro. And uh, getting back on the streets of Willow and being able to kind of figure out how to drive and how to downshift and brake and, and really go through the corners well. I mean, that put a smile on my face that was absolutely incredible. So the challenge, learning to, learning to drive, and, and obviously had some, some business challenges, as we all do. And, and the, the, the big recession of 2008 and nine was a big wake-up call to um, uh, to make the business more efficient and and because uh, we all lost a ton of business in that time but the core business stayed there the muscle car uh, market stayed and um, we're, we're better because of that and and uh, you know you fast forward to covid the pandemic same thing we were so lucky that in North Carolina we didn't have to close that we could get kept going and, and kept producing product because the result of the pandemic is people are ordering car parts and hobby products like never before. Yeah, it's they're a, staying in their garage and having fun. Yeah. It's an amazing, amazing time. And and we're we're back ordered with our products just like everybody else with all these supply issues, but 
like people people are excited and so the the challenge of the pandemic has been uh, trying to get product to people but but the great part about all of this is i think people have really discovered their cars not not that they hadn't they didn't know how important projects were for them but they've been at home and they've they've been working on their cars and and uh so i really believe that that we'll uh, once we get our supply issues all set that this industry will be strong for some time well you and everyone else it's never ending i mean i've been trying to buy some things i'm doing some work in my yard and uh the products i need are coming out of canada and i went to buy them they're, they're pavers for a big patio project and then the lady said can't get them pandemic i don't know when we're gonna get them you know so yeah it's never ending but you know you're going back to your your cancer story i had sam schmidt of course you know sam from indycar driving you talk with him and the positivity in his voice despite what he's been through and i just saw a recent uh, interview with him where he talks about you know i don't even look at this uh challenge in this wheelchair anymore because now they figured out a way for me to drive i mean they if you recall they figured out a way for him to drive using his breath I mean, just blew me away. Incredible. But the uh, the positivity, and that's what I hear in your voice, John, is the positivity uh, of life and the lesson learned through going through something so tragic like that, but figuring out a way to do it. Uh, you're a true inspiration to all of us. So thank you again for sharing that and for being such a cool guy. I, I like to ask people about special vehicles in their life. It's almost a silly question because when I go through and I ran through it at the beginning, the cars you've been able to drive, British Formula 3, Porsche 962s, RSR, spicy prototype cars. I mean, running at Le Mans, Daytona, Sebring. Oh my gosh, you've driven some insane cars. If I can narrow it down to one great car in your past, this might be your first car. I don't know. Which one was it and why? Uh, I can't can't narrow it down. I've been... (laughs) Uh, you you sent me that question and I'm thinking, okay, what could this be? Yeah, uh, I, I've definitely had some special cars in my life. The cars, as you mentioned, that have raced, but there, I'll just I, I'll run through quickly a, a few of the cars and why. 1971 Camaro we built back in in 1999 and 2000, and it was the first Camaro with a LS engine, it had an LS one in it, and a Tremec six speed and 315 uh, rear tires and 275s on the front. And it really started a, a pro touring, really majorly modified uh, American car market. It really built it to handle incredibly well. And, and that, was a, that was a car that's, that, uh, uh, sadly, uh, as, as some do, I, I needed equipment. And so I sold that car. And, but it's, it's on a few owners since then. It's beautiful orange, and it resides uh, in Phoenix, Arizona, with a with a great owner that autocrosses and drives it all the time. The seventy uh, three RSR, we still have that, and my father and his partner Bob Kirby bought that car in nineteen seventy six from a guy named Bob Harmon, mm. uh, factory seventy three RSR. Oh, uh, oh my con- <laughs> Converted to seventy four spec, and Dennis Ossie and his brother Randy. Uh, uh, Prepared the car in Anaheim. It was boated over to Belgium and Wins sponsorship. Uh, Wins brought it to Le Mans and they raced in Le Mans in 1977. Uh, three drivers. They finished, I think, 23rd overall and I believe ninth in their class. And it was, it was the only all American team. There were American cars and, and American drivers, but 
no car and driver combination came from America uh, other other than this one. So it was incredible. And then um, the 86 Porsche 962, uh, while well, my father was very fortunate, he worked super hard and he was able to uh, parlay his business into a to have some great race cars and he was in IMSA uh, for a long long time and uh, I was lucky enough to drive in five Daytona 24 hours Ooh. with him and but this 86 962 was um, bought uh, bought from Porsche Motorsports North America from Al Holbert uh, delivered hey, that guy <laughs> de- de- yeah, delivered it to Watkins Glen and uh for uh, I want to say it was the I think it was the Continental 500 and in, in uh, 86 and drove that in uh, Daytona and Sebring and went to a ton of races. It was always a wind sponsored car and so then also drove that in some historic HSR races and and uh, finally we sold that in 2017 uh, and now it, Joe Robillard owns it and it just was at. Uh, Monterey Historics, and yeah. he keep, keeps it in beautiful condition and drives it. And the reason the reason we don't have it anymore is because we're not very good collectors. And be, <laughs> being racers, it just drove drove us crazy that this car was in such beautiful shape, but was not driving. It was just sitting there. Is that the purple, dark blue kind of car? It, the number that's 10 the one. Car? Yeah. Number 10. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I've seen that thing run. It's hot. Yeah, so oh, cool. it's a great one. My brother did some incredible um, things with it at, at Monterey and at the Porsche Rennsport reunion and uh, definitely missed the car. But I'm so happy that Joe uh, is keeping it in. Uh, he's really he's he, he said I'm a steward of the car and I'm keeping it uh, uh, better than better than ever. So that's you great. You guys run against Bruce Levin back in the day, Bayside? Oh, absolutely. No, Bruce Levin, Bob Aiken. Uh, all of Dyson. Yeah. Uh, I, I was, uh, I attended a zillion IMSA races from when I was kind of early teens, um, until, uh, gosh, almost 30 years old driving in the races. I must've been channeling this talk we're going to have because I knew Bruce. He's, he raced up here in the vintage group sovereign that I raced with. I knew him for 20 plus years. Of course, sadly, we lost him a few years ago to cancer and Here's a weird deal here, John. I had a dream last night that I was sitting at Bruce's house talking with him. And and in this dream, I kept saying, but you're dead. And he just laughed and he goes, let me tell you, Mark, nothing's ever going to beat me in, in his typical Bruce Levin. And I woke up this morning with a bit of a smile on my face, not really sadness because that guy lived life to the nth degree. He was a wild man, as you know, because you raced against him and encountered him. But it was so bizarre that I would dream about him talking about business, cars, and so forth. And he had a couple 962s sitting in his garage. Uh, isn't that wild? Wow. Weird where oh, your mind what? goes when you're asleep, right? What a what a personality. He yeah. was great. And and uh, he, he would, uh, whenever I saw him, he he wouldn't just shake your hand and give you this big bear hug. Oh gosh, yeah, and, yeah. He was he was and, just he was a, he was a I mean he was a guy that lived life to the nth degree. And yeah, he admittedly you know he made some mistakes and did some things in life he wished he'd done differently. And he knew how to live and he knew how to drive too. He really did. And his cars he prepared were just beautiful. I remember the oh gosh pins the pinstripe paint job and all the things <laughs> he did and. It always said trash is cash on the side of his car, which I <laughs> yes. love. He, he had a black 80s Porsche Turbo, and the license plate said garbage. And this typical Bruce Levin, 
you know, I said, Bruce, why would you put garbage on the back of a Porsche Turbo? He goes, you know, when I started making money in the garbage business, I bought myself that Turbo. So I figured, well, garbage bought the Turbo. So that's why I put it that back there. He also had a Woody that was this beautiful, he loved hot rods, and he had this beautiful Woody, and the license plate said termites. So give you a little bit of of Bruce Levin's uh, humor and sense of humor that he had. Wow. You know, incredible cars you've been able to drive. I, I think it's really cool, which leads me into my next question, and that is, if you were manifest as a vehicle, what would John be, but more importantly, why? Oh, well, I, I have two answers. Okay. I, first, I would say I would be a 64 Ferrari GTO. Okay. Because fast, purposeful, no frills, and a beautiful design. And and I really am a sucker for front-engine Ferraris. Who isn't? <laughs> <laughs> but a, a 71 uh, Ferrari Daytona would uh, be great in, in the garage one day. But now with a little more mileage under my belt, I think I would be a, a brand-new Porsche GT3 Touring. Mm. Because super fast, comfortable, yeah. slightly understated appearance with you know without the big wing yep and and where the the gto would be amazing but it, it would wouldn't be that comfortable to drive very far now i, I want to do some driving adventures and yeah and uh and to be to be a, a porsche touring you could you could go anywhere you'd be reliable uh, super fast and uh, oh, gosh. I think it would be an amazing experience. I love that car. I'm not a wing guy and I get it with the GT3s if you're a track guy, but I just had this debate this weekend with somebody about, you know, they've come into some money. What should I buy? A GT3 RS, a GT3 or a Turbo S? And I said, well, how are you going to use the car? Are you going to do track stuff? He goes, no. And I go, well, don't get a GT3 RS then because you'll hate it on the road. Buy a Turbo S. Uh, much more comfortable and that's kind of the way I look at the GT3 Touring. Uh, you can take it on the road and enjoy it, but uh, yeah, probably people would argue, well, yeah, if you're going to compare it to a turbo, that's going to be more comfortable. But I love the whole concept of that GT3 Touring. So very nice choice. You know, I like to ask my guests how they give back. I know that you served two terms on the SEMA board. I mean, little did you think going back to that first SEMA show, you'd end up on the board. But you also chair the SEMA pack. And I'd love for you to talk just kind of briefly what that means, because you go to Washington, D.C., and you fight for people like us in the car industry so we can keep doing what we're doing. I just read... Uh, uh, this in the new sports car market magazine, how uh, the state of Maine is outlawing a certain type of vehicle, collector vehicle that they used to allow. And all of a sudden they've said no. And most people would go, well, who's ever going to own one of those? It's a little Japanese truck type vehicle. But that's where these things start. And that's where they start ticking away, right? You're Mark, you're absolutely right. And, and serving on the SEMA board was uh, so great. Uh, it was such an honor to to work with incredible people in our industry and and be able to really delve into uh, not only um, kind of the the problems or the issues at the moment, but have a good vision you know, as a board member should be as far as what's happening in the future. And that's what led me to the SEMO pack because after my second term uh, on the board was over, I said I'm going to devote my uh, energy. Of when I'm not in the office to the to SEMA PAC and and go to Washington and talk to our lawmakers and work with the incredible SEMA staff that's only a few blocks from the White House and because it's absolutely true I, now more than ever there are are issues and 
it's a time where we need to focus and make sure that our voice is heard so that we can still do our hobby, that we can modify our cars because it's, it's not just our cars, but it's our trucks, it's off road, it's racing, and it's anything to do with um, the freedom uh, to drive wherever you want, obviously within, within reason and, and legally, but to, to personalize your vehicle. And when we talk about the new Green Deal, we talk about whatever this is, you know, Mark, there are people in Washington, elected officials that I've spoken with that don't have any idea that people like cars, that people enjoy driving cars, that people modify cars. They have no idea what a big business this is and how passionate it is uh, for so many. And so from a stroke of a pen, they could say, well, we're going all electric and we're going autonomous and we're, we're, nobody can touch anything. And they'd think that that would be a good thing because we're, they're saving us from ourselves, so to speak. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. and not oh, knowing geez, that there yeah. is a performance industry, not knowing anything. So, and other people jump on and go, hey, great idea, you know, save the public, you know, they won't crash anymore and so on. Yeah. And so, but we have to be there to, to combat that. And so we have to support the lawmakers that support our industry. And there's so many uh, lawmakers, like so many others, that have great car stories, that have cars. And we, SEMA in Washington, D.C., determines whether on both sides of the aisle, who the who the people will support us in the Senate and the Congress. We, we support them and make sure that they will kind of carry our message through the halls of, of Congress and so on. Uh, regulation and legislation is really the number one thing that that SEMA feels is uh, going to um, be harmful to our industry. And if you just imagine, let's say, bumper height rules, light rules, or that's for either lowering or raising a, a car or truck, and then also just the, just the fact of any little, uh, of let's say you can't uh, tune the car anymore, so you lock the electronics. Well, we should be able to tune to... The aftermarket can always better improve what the manufacturer uh, supplies because their own their the manufacturer, regardless of what kind of car, it's only developed for kind of the fiftieth percentile driver and so on. And so the fact that we can, as an industry, can make cars better, we should be allowed to make cars better within a standard. But to just shut everything off would be you know, heartbreaking and not something we're going to allow to happen. And that's why it's, it's so important to be involved. Bravo. Awesome. I'm so happy you are. How about a great book that you've read that you'd like to share with the listeners? Oh, I have a, I have a list of books <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, uh, number one, uh, is the unfair advantage, uh, by Mark Donahue and, uh, really his story and talking about the way he raced uh, because I was lucky enough to have seen that kind of era of racing as a kid where you you had a small transporter, small shop, and and you had to be so resourceful as compared to today's uh, world. But Mark being a, you know, a brown educated engineer and, and just uh, amazing driver, just so versatile, incredible book talking about the development of Can-Am cars, Camaro, 
Porsches and more. So great one. And then Speed with Style, the the Peter Revson story. Always a fan of Peter Revson, and he was I mean came from a whole different background than Mark Donahue, but achieved the same type of results on the track. And whether it's in uh, McLaren Formula One or Can Am or or uh, uh, Trans Am, whatever Peter drove, he was super quick. So oh, yeah, another great book. And and you know the mo- the movie Rush was based on the Nicky Lauda story from hell and back and and uh the fact that nikki lauda could be have had that huge crash and be so burned and and have the will to come back from that another great one and then and then a racer's racer by bobby allison bobby allison has been become a really great friend i i didn't mention a couple of cars but one of them i own is bobby allison's 86 buick grand national Ooh. and and uh it took me years to buy it from him and and i see him often and i go over to his house and we'll talk cars and racing and mark that be able to sit in his living room and have a beer <laughs> oh, yeah. and hear about uh, bobby allison uh i've read his book heard but getting this firsthand from him of uh, i mean it's it's one of those occasions where you just don't want it to stop when, yes. <laughs> when he when he says, "Okay, John, that's enough stories." You know, it's almost deflating. I said, "Wait a minute, wait, we're just getting started." Yeah, tell me <laughs> exactly. more. Exactly the fact that he the fact that he drove Indy cars, and a lot of people don't realize that he was uh, he was uh, for Team Penske. He was he was faster faster than the Indy car guys at the time. Uh, the fact he tested a. a the UOP shadow and was super fast at Riverside and Can-Am car testing. And he was such a versatile driver that people say he was just a stock car driver, but he had an amazing gift of speed in any type of car. Definitely the racer's racer. I love it. So I'm going to take you on the ultimate drive here, John. Before I let you go, uh, you mentioned earlier that GT3 Touring may be the car you pick. You get to pick any vehicle. You get to pick anybody to have in the car with you, living or deceased. And you get to be going anywhere, driving anywhere you want to drive. So what does the ultimate drive look like for John Hotchkiss? Well, I would I would drive with Bobby Allison. And okay. The- the reason get more stories <laughs> i get more stories and, and uh, i it was um a few years ago we went to a car show and and there were three of us and i said bobby sit in front and he said no no i wanted to stretch out and sit in back and i don't remember what type of car we had but it was not it was not very big actually it was a um it was a, a new challenger so he's back there, and, and uh, friend in the passenger seat. We both pull our seats up, so Bobby has plenty of room. And he told us more stories, and then he, <laughs> and then he told us the Davy Allison about the helicopter crash. Mm. And I'll tell you, I don't. There was not a dry eye in that car. Mm-hmm. And he went into detail on how he felt, and and then also having Clifford die racing. So two sons, and um, I, I just. It was so moving, so incredible, and the fact that he would even talk about it. So I would definitely like to talk to him more about that. Uh, I'd be driving the the GT3 Touring or the Buick Grand National. (laughs) And uh, I'd want something fast and and fun, but also not too loud, because I'd I'd like to hear Bobby. (laughs) 
Yeah, no kidding. Oh, man, that would be fun. I love it. You know, John, I could talk to you forever, and maybe we have you come back. We talk more at some time in the future. But before I let you go, could you share maybe some parting words of wisdom, life, mantra, or a success quote with us that means something to you? Well, I would say really believe in your mission. So be persistent, hire great people, be consistent, and really love what you do. And uh, I think that um, from this pandemic, that really rings true more and more. And it's certainly um, the way that I have lived. Well, it's the way to live life. That's for sure. You figured out the secret sauce to life. I think you figured out that a long time ago. Maybe it was that first trip uh, to the racetrack with your dad that set the course for that. What are uh, some ways that people can follow along and learn more about your business? Well, it is really easy. I mean, we're all over social media, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And and just type in Hotchkiss, but only one S, H-O-T-C-H-K-I-S. Or go to Hotchkiss.net and you can see our products and descriptions. We have videos. Go to YouTube as well. And uh, so we make it easy. We make it all Hotchkiss. And, and, uh, and then you can always... Uh, Give us a call and you can call me too at 562-907-7757 and uh, I will, um, we'll all answer your, your questions and talk more about the aftermarket. Uh, make sure your car is really handling well and we'll go from there. It sounds like fun. Listeners, you can find everything on John Shono's page here on the Car Show website. As you can tell, a very spirited, inspiring guy who loves what he does. So check it out at hotchkiss.net. I want to do a shout out to and a thank you to Kendra Sommer at CWK Media for introducing me to John and getting him on the show. Thank you, Kendra. Kendra is a guest here on Cars Yeah, you can go back and listen to our show. John, thanks for being so generous today with your time and expertise and sharing your passionate past and a future and a current life with us today until you and i talk again my friend i'll see you down the road mark thank you very much really appreciate it this was a lot of fun linkage it's a new quarterly publication and website that covers the automotive market driving restoring collecting and discovering your passion for motor vehicles Linkage is about experiences, opinions, and values. Linkage is an actual, informed, reasoned opinion based on first-hand experiences. A talented Linkage team covers the automotive world, the people who share your passion and mine, smart, considered, rational, and experienced opinions, ones you can learn from and grow. That includes our passion that drives auctions and the collector car market. So come with me and join us on this journey. And be sure to use the code CARS YEAH when you subscribe and they'll give you $10 off. Boom! Linkage, geared for the automotive life. Subscribe today at LinkageMag.com. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at CARS YEAH. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!